If you hear this sound, that means this episode is also featured on our YouTube channel as a video. Head over to www.youtube.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to check it out. Warning, this episode contains foul language and is so gross. It's so gross. God, it's gross. or watching Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, terrifying, mysterious, sickly, otherworldly, parasitic, and everything in between. Each week we sit down together from across the country, sadly, and we talk about something weird. Weird. And this week, after not being together on our last episode, we are very much excited and ready to jump into some bizarre and spooky stories and discoveries together the way it was meant to be. Buggle up for this jam-packed episode full of royal conspiracy, weird and kind of gross places in the world that you may or may not want to visit, the scariest illness you've never heard of, and a discussion on if we should believe what we see before our eyes or not. I don't know. Let's get weird together. My name is Lauren, and this is my lovely co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. Hi. Ooh, that sounded like with a Z. Weirdos. Weirdos. With a Z. (laughs) Hi. Nice to be back. How are you? Nice to be back together forever. Yeah, I really, really, really had fun putting together last week's episode it was I got so to go good and listen to some episodes that i hadn't listened to since i edited them trip down memory lane yeah it was fun and i actually wanted to make sure that i reminded you guys this week at the top of the episode to send in your recommendations for funniest keep it weird moments oh, because yeah. next month we're going to be doing a flashback episode the two of us will both be there commenting on it um, highlighting some of the moments on the show that have us in stitches. <laughs> um, I can't wait. We've already gotten some amazing recommendations. Uh, we've got Spashala Fox, obviously. <laughs> what is on there? Um, thanks, Allison. The episode that Joe and I did. That was so good. Hi. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, we've already got some really great clips. Uh, I'm excited oh. to listen to again. Um, but yeah, send in your recommendations. You can email them to keepitweirdpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 626-686-1821 so we can play it on the episode to introduce the clip and make you a part of our fun day. We want to hear your voice. Do it. We want to hear you. Mm-hmm. Uh, July is also going to be a bit of a smaller month. I'm hoping and praying that we get at least three episodes in, but I'm going to be traveling. I'm doing a massive episode over on losers club we're going to be discussing under the dome which for anyone who hasn't read that insane stephen king novel i highly recommend it uh, but it is very long 
and I've got two weddings to attend. So it's a little slammed, I'm not going to lie, but Oof. we will record episodes and get them to you when we can. We're going to make it happen. You are having <laughs> my last summer where I was at weddings every yeah. weekend. And then I was telling Ashley today, I have like no trips this summer. And then one is suddenly Dude. coming up in two weeks, but it's short and sweet. And I'm kind of happy to be chilling. I'm not going to lie. Because I, I know, I I know honestly, your pain. <sighs> I hate fun. traveling in the summer, especially because I feel like no matter where I travel, it's never to somewhere with nicer weather. Right. You're not going <laughs> to a tropical we're going island. To, yeah. We're going to Connecticut next month, which should be a little bit nicer because we'll be like on a beach. That'll be nice. So it shouldn't be as humid. But both of the weddings, one is the beginning of July, one is like the very end slash beginning of August. They're both in Illinois and I just know that's gonna be that they are humid. gonna be so hot. It's so, <laughs> the face I so miserable. I hope this is the thumbnail photo Ooh. for this episode. Uh, humid. Just yeah. so humid. Real humid. But so, the East Coast I feel like will be nice. Like there's still humidity, so I'm not saying it's gonna be humidity perfect. But for I feel sure. like but when you're on a beach, yeah. like you're gonna get that breeze. Mm, mm, mm. And I'll okay. be pooping <laughs> with my poppy. With my poppy that I thought was just called poop soda moments ago. <laughs> <laughs> my poop soda. Drink that poop Makes soda. Makes me poop. Ding. Okay. We have a lot of weird stuff for you today, so let's hop right into it. Mm -mm. I'm going to go first, and my first segment today should get you really fucking pumped, because I'm doing a Real or Fuzz. Y'all ready for this? Realer Hoax is the segment where we examine stories throughout history that are so incredible they're hard to believe. They're questioned by experts, or they're just big old frauds. Mm. Mm. So what's it gonna be? Oopsie poopsie. Whoopsie poopsie. Let's, Let's find see. out together. Mm -mm -mm. This story takes place in the early 18th century, 1726 to be exact. Hello. So it was quite some time ago. Uh, and this is the story of Mary Toft. Do you know Mary Toft? I don't. I saw it was so hard okay. not to Google because I saw like in our show notes, I was like, this is what she's covering. I better look it up. But nope, I held. No, nope. hold back. Hold off. Mm. Mary Toft was a 25 year old illiterate servant married to a suit maker named Joshua Toft. And together they had three children and she was at the time pregnant with her fourth child and several weeks into her pregnancy, um, this is just sort of the story that came out like after the fact. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe it'll lead to somewhere. Maybe it won't. It will. <laughs> um, during her pregnancy, she was weeding in a field and caught sight of a rabbit. She chased it, hoping for a free dinner because back then, mm -hmm. that's something you did. Yep. That was um, life. But it got away. And, but then she became obsessed with rabbits. She developed what she herself called an agonizing craving for rabbit meat. Rabbit stew, rabbit pie, fried rabbit, roasted rabbit, poached rabbit. I sound like bubblegum. <laughs> you do. <laughs> rabbit cocktail. Rab. Popcorn rabbit. Popcorn. Co crispy coconut rabbit. rabbit crispy <laughs> coconut rabbit. rabbit. So yeah, she uh. <laughs> which like she's pregnant. Like you get weird cravings sure. that you can't 
chalk it up to a strange hormone exactly. imbalance thing. Yep. <clears throat> anyway, she was gaga for rabbits all of a sudden. But four months later, Mary got very sick. And it seemed like she was going into premature labor, which is super not great Mm -mm. for the 1700s. So her midwife, a man named John Howard, came to her side to help her through the birth. But what came out of Mary during labor was dead, dismembered animal parts. First, something that looked like a pig's bladder. Then a cat's paw and head. And afterwards, rabbits. One after the other. No. Not like all in one night either. Over the course of a few weeks, she was birthing rabbits. <laughs> Lauren? <laughs> Lauren? God help us. What? She gave birth to so many rabbits. So the midwife was like, Who? Some, uh, what? So he wrote to medical professionals in London. And by the time he had written them, she had delivered 11 rabbits. That's not correct. Which he started pickling in jars and lining up on the shelf in his study. Most of the medical bigwigs in London ignored his letters, but when King George I heard of it, he ordered his court doctor to investigate the claims immediately. Like, go to this village. Right. Check out this lady who's birthing rabbits. We need to know more. Check out those rabbits in the pickle jar, please. <laughs> I have to know. But oh. something that you should know about this doctor. So this was a sign of the times. This is so crazy. If you watch Catherine er, the Great on Hulu, this sounds like it's some, a story straight out of the Great on Hulu. Oh so this doctor, his name is Nathaniel St. Andre. And he was a total fraud, but like not totally his fault. Like I said, it was a sign of the times. At the time, people cared more about charisma. <laughs> and you got a good personality. Yeah. <laughs> and, we like you. You know, bedside manner more right. than they cared about credentials. Sure. We didn't have the knowledge that we have today that yeah. doctors should maybe know what they're doing when they're performing surgery. Right, but right, this right. was like all walks of life, not just medicine. Yeah. But St. Andre was a basically just a drifter. He was an opportunistic drifter who had wandered across Europe his whole life. He was a servant. Then he was a language teacher. He was a dancer. He was a fencing instructor. Whatever gig he you could get. You just threw he dancer got. in there like he was truly doing it he all. He was a dancer. Okay, respect the hustle a little bit, you know. But one day, he found out how much surgeons made. He had to be treated for an injury. And he was like, well, 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 Eureka. I know what my next career is going to be. I've found my calling. So he made his way to London. He did a very, very short apprenticeship. I don't know how short, but I know that it was months and not years. uh, And opened a surgical practice of his own eventually charming the pants off of someone close to King George I and making him the court doctor. 
so that's who came to see the rabbits anyway so that's him oh see okay there's so many things i can say that i dislike about 2023 but i will say thank but god for least, science and credentials and having licenses we may not be able to get in to see a doctor or afford to have surgery but at least our doctors go to school at least our doctors have studied for 10 years oh my, oh my god your okay. your ring lights haunted. i'm gonna I'm sorry, everyone. I'm with the haunted ring light from Gothier Book. If you know, you know. Honestly, this will be a test of the true fans. That's all I'm going to say. That's true. We'll see. We'll see if you understand. If you know about the haunted ring light, write in. (laughs) (laughs) Write in. So, he, this skilled doctor, arrived at John Howard's home just as Mary was in the late stages of labor with her 15th rabbit. Fifteen? Fifteenth rabbit that she had birthed. (laughs) And over the ensuing hours, more rabbits were born. Uh, The surgeon, St. Andre, witnessed these births, witnessed Mary's abdomen pulsating as she pushed out these rabbits, who were never alive, by the way. They were always crushed upon birth. That were is always helpful to crushed. me because the pickling moment made me upset earlier. So yeah, this all no, makes no, sense. No. They were okay. born dead. And, okay. um, you know, the surgeon was like, he figured it's because of the pressure of being expelled from a uterus. Like, duh. Mm-hmm. You know how babies always come out crushed. But anyways, he smushed. took... <laughs> But he was fucking psyched when he witnessed this because he was like, holy shit, this has never been documented. I'm going to be so famous. So he took some pickled rabbits back to London to present to the king and arranged for Mary to be transported to the capital where she would be studied and displayed before all the great scientists alive. And for her troubles, she was offered a royal pension, which was pretty much impossible to turn down, seeing as these two and their three surviving children were impoverished as shit. Mm Mm-hmm. So St. Andre published his account of the events. It was a sensation. London went wild. Mary Toft became a citywide obsession. You know, I mean, today even, we love a good National Enquirer headline of like, mother oh, gives birth yes. to giant baby or totally. Octomom or, yeah. yeah. Like, we mother... are all about a spectacle. We love it. <laughs> we still, yeah. we haven't changed. To this day, yeah. In the 1700s, though, this kind of thing was even more popular. It had actually become common for parents to make money by displaying you know their conjoined twins or the remains of their stillborn children it was a fascination with the macabre that eventually led to things like freak shows i was gonna say that sounds like the start of reality tv which (laughs) we are who we are is like the modern freak show is reality tv oh gosh yeah the idea of human monstrosities and naturally the thing is too at the time folk wisdom had taught most of these people that these monstrous births whether the baby was disformed whether it was a fucking rabbit like whatever were caused by the mother of course of course always blame the mom always blame the mom they were basically they thought um they were able to influence the nature of the creatures in their wombs by the mysterious powers of their thoughts. Oh like, my. 
there was a book called The Female Physician by Dr. John Mowbray, in which he advised women to avoid playing with dogs, squirrels, apes, etc., because it could lead to the birth of a monster baby. So, it just it reminds me. I'm gonna, I swear to God, I in medicine, I am like absolutely what chill out. Um, I absolutely hate this. I mean, for many reasons, yeah. but I, this reminds me of like the witchcraft thing of like accusing everyone of being a witch. Like the yeah. second anything goes wrong or anything seems out of place or a woman has intelligence for God's sakes, it is just immediately questioned. We are put on trial. I mean, and still to this day, obviously still not so extreme, day. but it's just like, come on, like the moms, the women, the everything it's yeah you must have done something constant. when you were pregnant to cause your baby you to da, 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 da. sometimes mm, it just happens stressed. yeah oh my gosh yes all the time it just happens i cannot the author of this uh book actually heard about mary toft and was like yes i'm not crazy you're crazy <laughs> like he was like see she was obsessed with rabbits and she started giving birth to rabbits but here's the thing once actual doctors started examining Mary, the whole thing fell apart. First, with the rabbits, they would dissect them. They ranged from baby rabbits to three-month-old rabbits, sometimes even a year-old rabbits, and some of them would even have grass in their stomachs, which wouldn't Ooh. make sense mm -mm. if they were just she born. Was just forming them, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then, a porter was caught sneaking a rabbit into Mary's room one night, he told one of the doctors, James Douglas, that Mary's sister-in-law, Margaret, had asked him to obtain the smallest rabbit he could find and bring it to them. And uh, when Mary was asked about it, she denied it fully and refused to confess until the lead skeptic in this case, whose name was Sir Richard Manningham, told her that they would have to perform surgery to examine her reproductive organs to get to the bottom of this. And this is when she broke down crying and confessed that none of it was real. Because oh, surgery at the time isn't like surgery today, where it's like you fall no. asleep and you wake up and it's been done and you're already healing. Like, you I took are a awake one the minute whole time. Nap. Yeah. You feel everything. Um, and you feel everything and it's really dangerous. So she was like, please don't kill me and I don't want to do this. So she admitted that it was oh, Mary. not real. Um, this was obviously horrific news for St. Andre, who had just four days prior published his thrilling expose entitled A Short Narrative of an Extraordinary Delivery of Rabbits, which was going to make him rich, oh, um, so but sorry, he did sir. not. His career was over, and Huge he bummer. lost favor with the court and ended up dying in poverty in a halfway house. So, I don't know. You live, <laughs> sorry you learn. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about ya. I don't know. I don't feel bad for one soul in any of Not this. Not really. Well, Mary Toft, St. Andre, Mary's family, they were all skewered for months and months and months. You couldn't pick up a newspaper without seeing a cartoon of her or an article calling her a whore or an article calling her stupid. It was pretty rough considering yeah. where she had come from. And the thing is, even though the rabbit births were fake, obviously this is a still a very fucked up story um, because the pain of these births was probably real. Oh my gosh. Like having they it were come out of coming you. out of 
her being shoved into her body and held in there and then she had to push them out of her body and the thing is she claimed her husband and his family were the ones behind it that they were the ones who inserted the rabbits into her vagina and the thing is she probably could not physically do this on her own um Mm -hmm. so someone definitely was assisting her in the insertion of the rabbits right um so that part of her confession was probably true and the thing is these rabbits were delivered with their sharp nails and teeth intact it wasn't just a little fuzzy thing like they oh my God. they were ripping her apart inside and sometimes oh. many many rabbits were up there at once some of which were likely hidden in her body for up to a few weeks at a time it's really hard to believe she did not die of a bacterial infection. I don't know how she didn't. Like the things that they would be. She should be studied as a medical yeah. marvel. Because for truly, surviving how, this. how did she? How did her body process all of that without just breaking down? Like she should have had every infection, every disease. That is crazy, and that would be so painful. And. Okay, so when she confessed to all of this, did she ever have a story of like, okay, this is why I just. I wanted attention. Like, was there ever a reason? I'm sure there was. I mean, whether she wanted attention, she wanted out of her current life, which was just extremely impoverished uh, servant, couldn't even read. Like, I think she just saw it as a way, yeah, that she might be able to get out. Or, you know, if she was telling the truth during her confession – her family, who was also very poor and couldn't read and were all servants, thought of this way out. And the thing that's crazy, so remember I told you she was pregnant at the time. She ended up having that baby. Oh. The baby lived too. I don't understand With all the rabbits? I do not understand how it happened. (gasps) This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I mean, they said that she ended up having... Uh, a baby within the year i i guess i just assume it was the same baby i guess maybe she could have lost the baby and then had another baby but i don't know there's not too much to know about her after all this she did end up serving time she was charged as a notorious and vile cheat and she was (laughs) vile cheat what a charge (laughs) she was incarcerated at bridewell prison for four months and back then people would be put into cells that faced the public as part of your sentence just be scrutinized and and shame yeah so crowds and crowds of people showed up daily to gawk and scream at her and throw things into her cage So, so she got her punishment for sure. She did. And the thing is, it's like, poor fucking girl. Like, I know. I, I don't know. I can't imagine living the way she did. But she did eventually. Um, you know, she was released. We don't really know much about her life after that. We know that she did have that other baby. Maybe she had more. Mm. I don't know. She lived to be 60. That, um, for the times, is pretty great. <laughs> That's, not horrible. It's a long life. I cannot believe she lived that long and had a healthy baby, whether it was during all of this or after, like regardless, I know we were questioning it, but like her body should have been a place where nothing survived. Where nothing could live ever again. It's bonkers. It's just bonkers to me. I just, I mean, yeah, it does make me sad because I mean, you, you told the story so well in the background. Like I, I do understand that this probably was her view of it was the only way out in her eyes but i still am just sitting here like why was 
shoving rabbits into your body the choice like whether it was hers or her family or whatever I'm just like that is so I mean like I I said maybe yeah you're desperate and at the time I mean we have hoaxes all the time that not as much happened today because it's really fucking hard to get away with that kind of stuff today yeah but back in the day I mean hoaxes would you know take place all the time and I think you know the time that they lived in where you know it was believed that you could birth monsters um and you had access to tiny animals that could fit i mean i don't know either she was trying to find a way out of devastating poverty or she just wanted to be noticed for once in her life but regardless wanted to be seen mary toft will always be known as a notorious and vile cheat (laughs) man what a title and that might be (laughs) might 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 be the most fucked up story I know. You're welcome. It is. Usually, I am telling the fucked up things. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Taking my uh, my no. steez. No, I do love it. When you have a rare, like, I'm about to tell you the darkest thing you've you ever something. heard. I'm like, let's go, Ashley. Dude, just wait. My other story today and next week. I just, I don't know what happened to me. Oh my gosh. I was like, I feel like both of mine today are like kind of fun. Okay. Well, good. Thank <laughs> Not, God. Okay, Someone's fun, being but... fun. Maybe we switch places. Okay, y'all. Well, this is a perfect segue because, you know, feminism and women being attacked, that also yeah. comes into play here. And also, this is an old ass story. I love it. So it is it. time for a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Grab your tinfoil hats and hop on board. I never made one. That is way smaller. My old one was so cool. I didn't have as much foil to work with this time, but just love it. Learn it. Listen, you look great. (laughs) And it it looks impenetrable. (laughs) It's so awful. (laughs) Conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. Ooh, that was beautiful. Thank you. Okay, so. We did real or hoax and conspiracy theory, which like feel like they go together so well. And also, yeah, we chose like the oldest stories in the world. Yeah, like PB and J. Because I have one from the 1500s. So, Hell who yeah. are we? Where are we? What's going on? Um, okay, so this is a royal family conspiracy theory, which mm. there are so many ooh, theories. Okay, this isn't going to stay on. You That's all fine. understand. You get it. Um, like, I mean, there's a bunch of Princess Diana theories. There is the most recent deceased queen, God rest her soul. Is that what mm-hmm. they say? Uh, God bless the queen. God, yes, that. <laughs> is that what there they say theories. about the queen? God rest her soul? Now. <laughs> I mean, now. Yeah. Yes, now. Um, yes, I meant the recently deceased queen. Um, we love her. There's Elizabeth of. Bathory. There's, yes. So there there yeah. are so many theories. When you are a president or a monarch or any, you know, anyone people are gonna royal talk. or leading a country, people are going to talk. They're going to come up with theories. Maybe you are part of the lizard people. So it isn't surprising, but conspiracy theories started way back when. I love it. So Queen Elizabeth I, our Renaissance Queen of England, nicknamed the Virgin Queen due to never taking a husband or bearing children, very intelligent, Amen. known as like a wonderful academic brilliant like feminist woman like she goes down in history as like just one of the coolest ladies in my eyes so we all know her we've heard of her like the red hair all of it 
She's just a fire queen. But there is a story that this woman who ruled for 45 years in the 1500s was not the daughter of King Henry VIII and his second wife, Anne Boleyn, but perhaps a man all along in disguise. Which is probably just sexist hogwash, but... It's still an interesting theory, Maybe so that's why I want to get into it. Maybe it had to do with the shaved head. It could have been. The wig wearing the, the huge bulge. Shaved back to the center of the head. It wasn't a great look. It, you know, it wasn't like my favorite, but... Okay, but, like, I did this kind of last time when I did conspiracy theories. I just love when the theory actually has some evidence where you're like, well, wait. Well, hold on. And this is one of those. It really struck me and I I wasn't ready for it. Okay, so background for this interesting, strange theory. At the age of 10, Elizabeth was sent away to a village called Bisley to avoid an outbreak of the bubonic plague in London. The belief was that if she left the city where people were dying left and right, she would not succumb to the disease and everything Mm -hmm. would be fine. So she was sent away. But unfortunately, as the story theory goes... An unknown illness soon did catch Elizabeth anyway, was not the plague, but something else, and she Mm. died. Soon after, an announcement came that stated that King Henry VIII would arrive in Bisley to visit his daughter to see how she was doing while she was quarantined away. So as he said he was going to come to town, Elizabeth's nurse and like right-hand gal started to panic. The king was going to blame her for his daughter's death. She was going to be punished. She might lose her head. Like, we're all terrified of King Henry VIII. So the nurse was like, I got to come up with a plan. I'm going to bury Elizabeth secretly. I'll go in the middle of the night. And then I'm going to find a local girl here in this town that, like, nobody from London is going to, like, be here. I'm going to find a closely resembling girl and present the imposter to the king as his daughter. Like, how much time does he really spend with her? It's going to be fine. So she's searching busily. She finds a 10-year-old girl. She tries to find a 10-year-old girl or around that age with a fair complexion and the famous red hair, but that's not an easy search. So she comes up unsuccessful. However, the story goes, the nurse did find an effeminate young boy who looked somewhat like the deceased Elizabeth. The nurse had no other choice. She dressed the boy in Elizabeth's clothing, added a wig, and just prayed the king wouldn't notice any difference. If this theory is correct, that means the king did not notice the deception for quite some time. Which I believe. <laughs> Which could absolutely, yeah, I'm like, that part, yes. Yeah, that and, part I buy. And the young boy would grow to manhood and eventually rule the kingdom in disguise, completely fooling everyone except for a few insiders like the nurse who had to know because of their close proximity to Elizabeth I and sworn to secrecy. So that's the theory, which you hear and are sort of like, what, why, how, how did this even come about? But as wild and absurd as it sounds, how would no one have noticed this? What's going on? Some historians still to this day do believe this story to be true. Wow. Um, They're in the minority, but they do exist. There are a lot of historians that, you know, are debating this and I'll get to that as well. But the fact that some like very intelligent, well-researched people still have this conclusion is Hmm. that was wild to me. So we are going to look at how they got their conclusion. Here's a couple of things that are like, okay, I see it. Okay. I see where you got that from. The grown Elizabeth 
never mm-hmm. consented to marriage despite very legitimate offers, which we could just say, our feminist queen, good for you. But yeah. still, for the times, it was a little like, weird. Huh. There was also a perceived stark difference in the form and content of letters that she would write before and after her stay in Bisley. Like, the writing totally changed, the way she spoke. All of that was just sort of like, huh, you write as if you're a totally different person. So that raised some flags. She wore wigs pretty much always while in public, like we were talking about. The the hairstyles were interesting. Only very carefully selected doctors could see her. So she was known for suffering from illnesses for very long periods of time because she had to wait until one of her very few trusted physicians could attend to her. She was just like, nope, I can't see this random guy that you're trying to bring me from town. Like, I can only see this person. I don't care how sick I am. So that was interesting. A nobleman had once written regarding Elizabeth that for a certain reason, which they have recently given me, I understand that she will not bear children. That was what he wrote after a visit with her. He made it He made it shady on his own. Like, everyone yeah. was sort of like, it's weird that she's not having kids, but that's life. Like, yeah. she'll do what she's going to do. But then this guy starts stirring things up, saying, like, well, I was just given a reason that I can't really talk about. But I can't but- say... She's not going to have kids. So it was like, hello? Of course we're going to gossip about that. And Elizabeth, before her death, made a very clear directive not to have an autopsy conducted after she died. It was just like, nope, don't ask questions. Don't investigate. Just let me be. Even if she, like, dropped dead while eating a sandwich? Yes. It was like, Hmm. do not. Just let it go. So that, to me, was one of the biggest ones of like, well, wait a minute. Hello? Because what if somebody poisoned you? Yeah. Well, you want somebody to know? But And then, lastly, a report from a cleric who discovered a coffin in Bisley way later in the 1800s said that it contained the skeleton of a young girl wearing clothes very typical of the Renaissance upper class. Mm-hmm. And she was never identified. Here's the thing, though. So here's the thing. If ever there was a time where you could get away with something like this, the 1500s was it. That was and the being time, a Ashley. queen, being a royal in any sense of the word was was a pretty easy way to do it because no one's going to question yes. you. One, you're the fucking queen. No. But two, like you're so secluded. It's not like the queen today who has to get on TV and be like, hi, I'm the queen. Right. Like everyone knows what you I look just like. Stay, stay in your home all day if you want. Yeah. yeah Which is true. another storyline in the great because Nicholas Holt has a lookalike who is also played by Nicholas Holt. Um, who. Which is so fun. Goes <laughs> and like pretends to be him at public events and stuff so he doesn't have to be there see the great is proving that this could be true true. no i totally buy that this is something that could happen whether it did whether it did or not you know i know but then something even more fun to add to it mostly this is fun for us as weirdos and supporters of all things creepy Bram Stoker was one of the biggest supporters of this theory. Wow. Author of Dracula himself, ladies and gentlemen. Gay Abraham author. Stoker. Abraham Stoker. Gay author. Dracula. Queer. It is Queer Pride icon. Month. Queer Let's icon. Go. Queer icon. Bram Stoker. And I am go- queer icon right Queen Elizabeth I. Honestly. Potentially. 
potentially. Um, so I, this just makes me like the story even more. This legend, even though it had this, you know, kind of strange evidence supporting it, it still probably would have died out completely and people just would have been, I'm, and people would have been like, whatever, like, I doubt this was true. It still feels like a reach and we would have forgotten about it forever. But if it weren't for Bram Stoker, it would have died out. But because he wrote about it and he mm -hmm. was a respected author and people were interested in this smart clever man it was like okay well wait a minute we have to think about this and same with historians today they are like okay we know that this man was intelligent and he you know he kind of knew what was what and he even to a point of like hiding who he maybe truly was he knew what he was doing so yeah. it's sort of like if he's believing this we need to look into this a little more so i People say it is because of Bram Stoker's support of this theory and writing about it in one of his books. That is why the legend stayed. Ooh. So nobody knows exactly Brian? how he... For, Brian? Brian, look at you. <laughs> so people don't know how he even came across the story to begin with. I mean, people thought there were connections between him and Elizabeth, but he came across the story even before it was the hot goss and just believed it firmly. And he devoted an entire chapter to this conspiracy theory in his nonfiction book titled Famous Imposters because he believed it so much. He's wow. like, I'll, I'll put it on paper for you. So Stoker believed that Elizabeth was, in fact, he even added more to the story. So this is mm. where it's fun. He believed that Elizabeth was, in fact, the son of one of Henry VIII's illegitimate male offspring, mm. making the imposter still Henry VIII's family still the royal grandson heir in the royal line. Yes. So that's why they sort of looked alike and it was able to pass because they were technically family. So Stoker believed this connection explained the physical resemblance and how they could get away with it. And he believed it till the day he died. So basically the imposter was a part of the royal line and that was it. And so as soon as Bram Stoker said this, that made it believable. And that's why people still hold on to it today. That but... would even make more sense because kings, there have been kings throughout history who have killed children mm -hmm. in order to give another child the throne. I know. So. <laughs> like so <laughs> many things are making it believable. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But then we have to go to the other side because a healthy conspiracy theory Please. has both sides. Tell me why this so, is false. <laughs> I mean, so many reasons. <laughs> but once Stoker published his book, even though he was normally such a well-respected author, the reaction was not mm. good. Um, many people at the time and then historians today call Stoker out for his misogynistic ways pointing out that some of his reasoning for believing the conspiracy, besides some of the things that he pointed out, which are sort of valid, he did also talk about how intelligent the queen was. Oh, and how, how, how she was such a good a leader. A <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that was the part that was bad. Like, she was one of the most amazing leaders. She was so intelligent. She understood financial situations and how it should be handled in the kingdom. And it was like... He was basically saying, a woman can't do that. Are yeah. we all seeing this? So that was not great. A woman, my goodness. So that was a huge red flag. But also some reasonings are that historians have pointed out. It is unlikely someone as intelligent as the king would not recognize the substitution of his daughter with a fake of a different gender. Which, like, yes, but also the point that you made earlier, I'm sort of like, I think that yeah, could totally in go on over it. there. Or 
Yes. And he also could have been a part of it. That's the other side. Okay. But sure. We can go along with that. Um, according to the Queen's laundress, Elizabeth did menstruate normally. Oh. It was like, yep, I've had to clean the bloody clothes, which like, who knows if we can trust the laundress, but that's what was said. Um, the Queen occasionally wore dresses that showed she had normal female breasts. I know there could be, like, extra skin involved in pushing up, even on a male, but fair. There are many paintings and actors in movies who have boobs coming out of the dress, so I'm going to believe it. Yeah. Um, and a secret so substantial would undoubtedly be leaked by at least one person who knew the truth. And I yeah. do sort of hold on to this as almost, like, the best point because I love hot goss. I love to spill the tea. Yeah. I love reality TV, the as we've been talking about. The court would ablaze. This would have been disgust. Yeah. Yeah. I really think this would have just been chit-chat all over the town. So, yeah, having, like, no leaks and having such a locked-down system of people keeping the secret is almost the most unbelievable part of this entire story. So, yeah. That's where we're at, but um, yeah, I think why some historians today still hold on to it, even though it would be easy to be like, oh, it's just an anti-feminist attack on Queen Elizabeth I that like she could never be the smart. I think truly, from what I've read and researched, that Bram Stoker putting faith in this theory yeah. has made people hold on to it because they're like, I really don't think he would write about this unless he, there was some truth sure. to it, so... That's why it's still here on the interwebs today. Yeah, listen, I mean, that's a really fascinating theory and a great story. It's fun. If anyone wants to write it, I'm sure someone already has. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> and now all I can picture is a man dressed up like Queen Elizabeth going to mm. that Shakespeare play in Shakespeare uh -huh. in Love. What play were yeah. they were they doing in Shakespeare in Love? I can't even remember. I'm blanking was it on Romeo it and Juliet? It wasn't. Maybe it was. No. Was it? What play were they performing? I don't think it was. That feels like two on the note. I know I haven't seen it in so long. Wasn't it? Was so it long. Judy Dench? It was, Ju was Dame Judy Dench. Dame she Judy was Dench. so good in that. I think she was nominated gotcha. for an Oscar in that, even though she's she only in too. like 10 minutes of the movie. And good for you, shows. Queen. Mm. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> queen. God, I love Yay. a good Yay, conspiracies. <laughs> well, I have a new segment. New segment alert. Jeepers, creepers, better grab your sneakers. Jeepers, creepers, it's time to run and hide. Uh, <laughs> this segment is going to be called Jeepers, Creepers. I hate them so much. There are a lot oh, of things wow. that we talk about on this show that really creep us out. And one of those things is definitely incurable diseases. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, I hate that. Not a happy camper today. Debbie Downer times a thousand. Oh, My next uh, segment is just as fucked up and sad as the last one. All um, right. Give it to me straight, doc. <laughs> today, I wanted to tell you about a disease I learned about that has scared me half to death. It's called fatal familial insomnia, and it is very unlikely that you have it Thank God. And I'm saying you as okay. in you, Lauren, me, and everyone listening to this. It's very rare. <laughs> okay, thank God. Because I'm like, I don't sleep much. 
So fatal familial insomnia, or FFI, is an extremely rare genetic disorder that results in troubled sleeping, which doesn't sound so bad. I suck at sleeping, um, Mm -hmm. and that's probably genetic. My dad sleeps like two and a half hours a night and has since fucking Vietnam. So like, you know, but the fatal part is where it gets really horrific. The problems with sleeping start out manageable, trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, sleepy all the time, low energy, Uh, but eventually the patient will succumb to what is known as total insomnia, which is basically where you never hit REM again. Ooh. And this Ever again in your life? Ever again. Well, your life is very short if you have this because this leads to speech problems, coordination problems, and eventually dementia and Mm. death. You will die within a few months to a little over a year. And as wow. of today, there is no known cure. Oh, my gosh. Okay, you have to tell me how rare this is immediately so I can feel better. <sighs> um, it's not, like, crazy rare, but it's pretty rare. Ashley! Okay. <laughs> no, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. The disease, first of all, has four distinct stages. Stage one, like I said, is worsening insomnia, which results in, you know, being lethargic, but also panic attacks, paranoia. It can produce phobias that you didn't have before, and that lasts about four months. Stage two is hallucinations. The panic attacks become noticeable, and for anyone who doesn't know what I mean when I say that, I had panic attacks for 15 full years without knowing that I was having a panic attack because they don't mm. always manifest in like fast breathing and like <laughs> like freaking out. Right. Um, they, atta- they manifest in all kinds of ways. You don't always know what they are. But in stage two of this disease, you pretty much know what they fucking are. And this stage mm. lasts about five months. Stage three is the complete inability to sleep followed by a rapid loss of weight. And this lasts for about three-ish months. And stage four is dementia. The person will become unresponsive or mute over the course of six months and will live for a while, but will absolutely eventually die. So, Jeez, oh man. The reason it's so rare is because it is like it is a part of our DNA. FFI is a rare hereditary prion disease that's caused by a mutation in our genes. Prions are misfolded proteins that can transmit their misfolded shape onto normal proteins. All known Mm. prion diseases in mammals affect the structure of the brain or the structure of our neural tissue. They're all progressive, have no known effective treatment, and are always fatal. And these proteins are more than likely the culprit in disorders like ALS, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and Huntington's disease, and they can also be partly responsible for tuberculosis, Crohn's, rheumatoid arthritis, and AIDS. So when you hear people are saying they're working on a cure for some of the most vile diseases known to man, they are likely working on a cure for these misfolded proteins. If we could learn how to stop the spread of them or fix them, we could cure these diseases potentially. Which would be incredible. Which would be incredible. And something else that's cool, in the early 1990s, a man named Reed Wickner discovered prion-type proteins in a species of yeast that I can't pronounce. It's like Saccharomyces cerevisiae. (laughs) It's a yeast that we use to make wine, bread, 
beer. Okay. Um, they, it's in our lives. Yeah. They believe it came from, uh, it originally isolated from the skin of grapes. But from there, okay. we knew to look in other forms of fungi. And wouldn't you know it, proteins showing prion-like behavior have been found in many types of fungi. But they Look do not appear to cause diseases in their hosts. So as usual, we may be able to find the answers to these diseases in our fungi, friends. It's all about the fungus. It's all about the fungus, Ugh. okay? We are All about it. We need to start adapting lines from the Super Mario Brothers movie. And I do not mean the piece of trash <laughs> that came out this year. I mean the piece of trash that came out in 1991. <laughs> like the cartoon or the real one? The real one. The real one. Okay, just making sure we're on the same page. John yes, Linguizamo. Let's use, yes. Oh, let's use the magic of the mushrooms. The magic of the shrooms. As of today, we do have ways of prolonging the disease so that you don't die as fast, but you will still die. So it just depends on what stage you are in and whether or not you'd like it to be prolonged or you'd like it to just end. They've done Oof. clinical trials of a drug called doxycycline, which was originally an antibiotic that did stop the prions from sticking together in clumps, and the brain's natural enzymes would help break them up. Uh, 21 people taking the drug lived about twice as long as the other people in the test group, but if it's in a later stage of the disease, stage three or four, um, it has almost no effect. So you mm. have to catch it right away. And thanks to the work of these scientists, they've been able to genetically test people to see if they carried the mutated gene. But the problem is, is that most family members do not want to know the results of their test because it causes so, so, so much anxiety because it's such a oh, crapshoot. Sure. The mutation yeah. is not only genetic, but it's also sporadic. So just because you carry the mutation doesn't mean it's going to activate in your body. So then you're just stressed so for no reason. So then you're just terrified. And, like, well, it's coming. Yeah, and it can it can cause a lot of sleep problems that you wouldn't have had before because you're afraid that <laughs> you're not going to fall asleep or, like, right. this will be the last good night's sleep you have. Or, like, there was one girl who talked about how it caused so much stress in her that she would, like, check on her mom, like, three times a night to make sure that she was – okay yeah because they, and then that's that's just no way to live no way to live so it's like so why it's like, do you want to find wanna out fucking know if i i know possibly have this especially since it's right. completely incurable once you get it it's like what can you do you can't except do be extra stressed before you're even hit with exactly it, so. so that's fatal fa fatal fa fatal familial insomnia it's one of the scariest diseases oh, I've ever heard of, uh, besides the other that. scary diseases I listed. And I know. Um, yeah. I hate it. Horrifying. I was going to say, Alzheimer's and dementia, like, I know that the cure for cancer is also very top of the list, yeah. especially as more and more people are getting cancer because everything we have in our lives React. causes cancer. But Everything we interact with yes. causes cancer. 1,000%. So, yes, I am not putting much... <laughs> Of anything before that but Alzheimer's and dementia are other things that I'm just like man I really wish we could figure this out because it is so upsetting that it's just like oh yep they're starting to lose their memory and there they go there they drift off it I sounds know. it's just so out of our control it's so upsetting and it's in the same way like 
at least, I'm not saying it's great because it makes the people sicker when they have it, but at least there is chemo and radiation so you can try to fight cancer. It feels like with Alzheimer's and dementia, you're just sort of like, there Well, and that's is. the thing. It's, uh, these are what I said before, the prion diseases where it's just a matter of like those, those specific proteins just don't fold out correctly and it really could be a matter of just figuring out how to fix that one tiny little thing and it seems so simple that tiny thing causes so many right. horrific diseases um but, but of course you know, it's not that simple. not that it turns out uh, maybe if the aliens would give us uh some pointers while you're zipping around in our atmosphere it'd be real nice give us fellas. some information Anyways. When you're coming down to eat the horses. When you're coming down to take our cows. Have special cow de delicacies. When you're coming down for your farm animals, if you could just drop you some just information. drop a please. cure for cancer while you're here, that'd be fucking great, guys. Uh, Don't worry about us. We're fine. I can't. Haunted ring but if light. I, sorry for the editing you're going to have to do with me turning into a ghost, but I think the listeners I'll, might enjoy I'll, it. We'll I'll definitely leave you turning into a ghost at least once or twice. I think it's unavoidable. <laughs> I think the listeners will really like it. No, they're going to be like, stop it. Okay. We are going to try to cheer you up. Please, with God. Some, with some, well, not like cheery things, but also like science. It's going to be fine. Okay. We are heading to a segment called Where in the World Is Keep It Weird Going? Where in the World Is Keep It Weird Going? Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? We're going to head on over to Tokyo, Japan. Love it. Today. I've never been. Me either. It is. <laughs> It is a bucket list a for sure. Alex list. and I, I, love to go I to mean, Tokyo. right. I was going to say, look at my hair. You tell me this wouldn't do well in Tokyo. <laughs> I love it. See, I turned into a ghost for it. It was yeah. very exciting. You screamed um, in we... a <laughs> I know. Maybe it's a sound. If I scream, the ghost is like, I'm here. Um, okay. So we are flying off to Tokyo, Japan. We are all no strangers to it. Mm -hmm. An amazing city, whether you've been there or you haven't. Like we all know it's, it's cool as shit. It's like dope. we really want to go. Um, it is a city that has everything going on, but what if I try to sell you on the city by naming a really weird and obscure museum Sold. that really would probably only appeal to the listeners of Keep It Weird <laughs> or Science Geeks, which I know, like, sometimes it's one and the same. So we are heading to the Meguru mm -hmm. Parasitological Museum in Tokyo, Japan, it is a very small science museum in the Meguru Ward in Tokyo, Japan. It is devoted to parasites and the science of parasitology, Ooh. which I hate. Maybe but not. Maybe I won't go there. Maybe I'll go to the ramen store instead. Wasn't that Tokyo? I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it is. I was like, I, when I found this one, I was also looking at other things on the list, and I was like, oh, the ramen place. <laughs> talked about that i can't believe i, I remembered that that was in tokyo but yeah i i'll go to a ramen place and we'll y'all can go to, to the, the ramen yeah. museum well this is Good where we'll go in different ways so okay i'm trying to like give a little bit of credit because it is 
a very it's important cool yeah it's important i was like it's cool in the way of there's so much good information it's very scientific it was started back in 1953 which i think is crazy Damn. and still exists today and has only become more popular because people are accepting their weirdness more and more today <laughs> as we are so people are still visiting it just as much but it was founded in 1953 by a doctor a dr satoru kamigai and it started as a research facility and a part-time science museum as well, but it was his research facility. And the museum was eventually rebuilt and moved, in, still within Meguru Ward in Tokyo, but it was moved a little bit to its present location in 1993. And then when Dr. Kamagai died in 2002, um, someone named Professor Akihiko Uchida took over operations of the museum and he added a gift shop to help fund operations because they are not funded by the government at all. They rely totally on donations and purchases in the gift shop. But this professor was like, I want to keep the dream of Dr. Kamagai going. I think this museum is amazing. And I know parasites are gross, but they're important to know about and but learn about. But they exist, so... so. They exist, Come look at and them. we should honestly know about them. Um, and get the, make that money, honey. You know, get that gift shop. <laughs> so <laughs> the Meguru Parasitological Museum will leave you feeling excited but also disgusted. And they sort of tell you when you walk in, like, here are some areas that if you have a weak stomach, you might want to avoid, which I appreciate. Totally. And there's a whole guide onto what you're seeing. And the craziest thing is people will spend hours, sometimes a whole day here, just reading the books and the papers, like the research papers, the medical papers, all about parasites. You can stay there for a really long time, but it's so, so tiny. It's two floors and it's super compact. So I just laughed like hearing, oh, people will spend a whole day there. And it was like, oh, it's this tiny little two-story box. <laughs> but people stay because of the information and the displays that are there. Um, they show parasite-infected animals. There are bugs, worms, all just sitting in little display cases. And it is not for the week, which is me. I am the week. I'm the week. You basically step into a mad scientist-style lab with tubes of specimens just lining the walls. There are exotic specimens such as mice riddled with tumors, infected mm. fish, and more worms than you've ever wanted to see in your entire life. So are the worms um, the ones that have parasites or are they parasitic worms? They are parasitic worms. Okay. But then it shows animals that were infected right, 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 by right. parasites and just to show what happened to the body. Um, you can look up pictures of this. I thought about having a little section of the segment where I showed you pictures on my phone, but I honestly hate looking at them, so I'm not <laughs> going to do it. Y'all can go Google it if you want to. Um, so the small museum and research facility was established in the fifties, as I said, by a doctor in the field of parasites. It was all very medical at the start and was mostly for other people in the medical world, yeah. but it's still thriving today. It's a hotspot for kids on field trips, people who love yeah. the macabre weirdos like all of us, but also for up and coming, you know, scientists and people who want to be in the medical field. And it's also strangely a really popular date spot, which that was nice. one of the funniest things that I heard. You know, go see some roundworms. That sounds really fun. Let's go look at no. them in a, in a jar. Um, so displays are spread across two compact floors, as I said. But um, again, the information will hold you there forever. The first floor educates visitors on the diverse range of parasites that exist in the world, especially in the dark corners of the world that you don't even know about. Yeah which is probably the floor that I should go to just for education purposes. Um, 
And then the second floor is mostly showing the creatures, the animals, the people. There's not bodies, but like things that have been taken out of humans are on display on the second floor. So but, that's the floor they yeah. might not want to go to if you're going to be ill. Um, and it's just showing what happens when you are a host to a parasite. <gasps> Um, on the second floor, it kicks off with a bot fly diagram, which it's like basically these cartoon looking um, parasites talking about how the insect deposits its egg onto mosquitoes who then transfer the eggs to humans when they bite them. And it shows the bot fly larva growing under the skin, squirming and writhing uh, until it matures. And it's funny because the chart is like cartoony like right. the parasite has big eyes and the bug yeah, has like big eyes and it's like look Jurassic it's cute Park where it's like dino yes. dna <laughs> i think of that <laughs> exactly so they're trying to make it cutesy so the kids will like it which i mean i think it works but i'm just like Bleh. but the most brutal display of them all is an 8.8 .8 meter long tapeworm 29 feet for us here in america who are the only ones refusing to do the metric system 29 feet long. It was, it's real. Okay. It was extracted from a man after he ate infected raw salmon three months prior. Okay. Yeah. I love salmon. I'm really I know, sad. Okay. okay. It's upsetting. I, you can still love salmon. I feel like now there are way more checks than maybe there used okay, to be because good. this was removed from a man by Dr. Kamagai who died in 2002 and probably when he was like, practicing the most it was a long time ago so i'm trying to tell myself that like we do better health checks on things but infected salmon and three months later dr kamagai removed it after the man mm. came into the hospital saying something is hanging out of my rectum after i pooped <laughs> to give you a better idea of its sheer size the museum has a long piece of thin fabric, the same length of the tapeworm, on display. And it's so long that even from one end of the room to the other, you can't pull it out straight. It has to bend because it's that long and the museum is small. <laughs> so it's just this bent piece of fabric. And then the actual worm is basically in a pickled jar, pickled the jar. way you were talking about earlier with these rabbits. Man, this episode is just like the pickling of the worst things you've ever <laughs> So... Yeah, something that long, 29 feet long, was living inside a man for three months. So it's cute, it's cozy, we love it. You can see all these things on display with all mm. Japanese descriptions underneath, but there is a QR code that you can scan at the beginning Lovely. of the museum yeah. to get it all said to you in English in the same disgusting way. So don't you fear if your Japanese is a little rusty, you can still learn all about it. On display are 300 preserved specimens, including that fun tapeworm. The 300 is too much. The research library contains 60,000 parasite specimens as well as 50,000 papers and 5,000 books on parasitology. So truly, if you're going to study and get more research on this, it's the spot for you. But for me, I'm going to pass. You know what? I'm pass. Say no. Hard pass. You know? I just feel but, like uh, yeah. when I do make it to Tokyo, if I ever do, God willing, I just don't think there's going to be time. To go. I don't think I can fit it in my yeah. schedule. There's like, so many things that I want to see, and I just don't know if yeah. I can. I don't know if I'll have time to go to the Parasite Museum. 
That's all I'm saying. And it's a bummer because Alex and I might be looking for a hot date when we visit Tokyo. And I <laughs> and know apparently that this, this is, is a like really the romance spot. center. But I, I like to think that they like serve you little drinks when you come in. <laughs> Get a cocktail upon it. Like entrance. a gummy worm in it. Like as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able I wouldn't be able to have fun with it. Yes, ghost light, you should come on because I my soul left my body. I do my last thing I want to say is the gift shop on the second floor. You can get postcards, t-shirts, or oh. mobile phone straps with no. actual parasites embedded in acrylic. Oh. Oh, I I won't. You know what I won't get? That. You know where I won't go? There. Well, well no. But at least I know it exists. Yay. <laughs> it's like, it's like, my soul's leaving my body. That's yeah, that's why it's happening. Um, that's why the electronics are going crazy. Well, thank you for taking me to the Parasite Museum. <laughs> it's awful. I'm so sorry. It is free, though. Donations or gift shop is Amen. how you give them money. So, so is the St. Louis At Zoo. <laughs> I'll go there. I'll go there. I just always like to give the oh St. Louis God. Zoo a shout out because it is free and it is the cleanest zoo I've ever seen. But that's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for tuning in to our show while you're here. We hope that you take the time to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to grow this platform. So, hey, even if you're still a listener and not a watcher, give us a follow on YouTube anyway. Support the brand, way don't ya? Please. We also hope you take the time to follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast, where we do Tarot Tuesdays, Witchy Wednesdays, and I mean it this time, Media Mondays is going to be starting up, even though we have a slight change of mediums, yeah. but we are still very excited. For that to begin that's okay also if you have an extra five bucks this month consider donating to our patreon at www.patreon.com slash keep it weird podcast where you'll get bonus episodes and a monthly newsletter written by us and discounts on merch and you'll be ensuring that your favorite pod sticks around for more episodes i mean come on it's five Please. bucks but for now, nice. buzz, buzz, bitch. Time for hive mind. We're using the scene or caught what? I know you won't believe me because I said this last time, but I swear on everything in me. I had space buns. When you put the space in my buns hair, in, you need to leave the space buns in. Ne because... Next time that my soul says to do it, I'm going to. Usually I have my hair just pulled back like in a tight bun. Like this is loose for me. Yeah, that's how I have it pulled back cuz I'm I'm usually coming straight from work and I'm like drenched in sweat, but I'm on summer break right now, so I, I left her loosey goosey. I tried the buns, they just like weren't staying in the shape I wanted, but oh my gosh, I feel like it's a sign that we might be on the same. The trick is Bobby Pin. <laughs> in your space I know, I, but I'm not good at hair, so it's it's me. I'm the problem. It's, it's me. It's her. Um, we uh, end our episodes by trying to strengthen our psychic connection because, as you know, Lauren and I have a hive mind. Whose turn is it? Your turn. Oh. Okay. Yes. Yes, I think that's right. Your yes. turn to guess the Zener card. What are the shapes? No triangle. That's for sure. Plus sign, <laughs> square, circle, star, squiggly line. I am okay. going to present you with 
no, I'm not going to present you. I'm going to present my You're not. You're going to present yourself. Self present your eyeballs. With a zener yep. card. Present your own eyeballs. And I'm going to send you the shape. <laughs> oh, I'm nervous. Psychically. Here we go. Plus sign. Mm -mm, girl. No! Do you know why? Because it's a goddamn star. And we never get these. Get out of here. Never get never the star. Never get the Every star. Every time it's a star. That's been our issue. Because it's a triangle. Because it's a triangle. <laughs> That'll forever be my favorite moment. You so confidently said triangle. And I was triangle. like, oh, no, we got it wrong. But, but also, also wasn't a, a choice. Well, I only saw a part of the star. Well, okay. You know what? <laughs> Listen. <sighs> It's the ring light and it's the star. They were both. It is the star. So we're gonna blame it on the star this time. I'm gonna just say we're still psychic. And <laughs> next week we'll try again. <laughs> In the meantime, yep. thank y'all. Have a great week and keep it weird. What kind? What is that can? They help me poop. Um, strawberry lemon. Prebiotic soda. Love that for you. Does it say poop on the side? Or no, it says poppy. No, it says poppy. Wouldn't that be funny, though? Poop! <laughs> just <laughs> For when you need to poop. It's just Drink a huge letter said poop. Oh, oh, leave me alone, <laughs> ring light. Why do you keep blasting me? Okay.